when it's time to go, you just flip the switch off and head on home, right? And so you don't have to, you know, start losing things and start having the duct tape parts on your body, you know, keep them there all at the end of your life. Uh, you just stay well all the way to the end. The Lord says it's time to come home. Last one out, turn the lights off. Amen. Uh, and so that's really, that, that's, I believe that's God's best for his people. Amen. That we live free from sickness and disease all of our lives. Amen. Uh, and it uh, doesn't matter if there's COVID-19, COVID-20, COVID-22, doesn't matter. Uh, we're, the, we're the well. Amen. Because uh, there's always going to be another Wuhan something or other, right? So, <laughs> so uh, it doesn't matter what they uh, cook up in a lab. Uh, the Lord's still the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so we thank him for that. So, of course, we have, uh, for those who aren't here this morning, we have uh, Dr. Larry Hutton from Georgia uh, here with us today. And, uh, of course, he's been teaching healing for a long time, right, and uh, living in divine health. And so uh, so we're glad he's here today. He was here this morning. And, and if you weren't here, you can, of course, you can order the CD or you can watch the video online as well. Uh, but let's give uh, Dr. Hutton a warm date and welcome for Healing School today. All right, praise God. Um, what he was just saying about walking in health, let me share something the Lord shared with me that'll really bless you. I was, um, I don't even remember where I was at when all of a sudden the Lord asked me one time, I wasn't studying on healing or anything, but he said this, he said, um, at what age does 1 Peter 2.24 not apply to you anymore? Now, some of you might not know 1 Peter 2, 24. It says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripe or blow or bruise we are healed. So he says, well, at what age does by his stripe you are healed quit applying? I said, well, Lord, at no age. He said, well, what, at what age does Matthew 8, 17 stop applying to you? Well, Matthew 8, 17 says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Yes. So at what age does he, his word that he bore your sicknesses quit applying to you? I said, well, Lord, at no age. He says, at what age does Isaiah 53, 4 quit applying to you? And Isaiah 53, 5, and surely he hath borne our griefs and sorrows and we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripe or blow or bruise, we are healed. He said, what, at what age does that quit applying? I said, Lord, at no age. He said, he said, then, he said uh, then you don't have to have any sickness or disease that's associated with old age. Because it doesn't matter how old you get, my word still is my word. Isn't that good? And that's when, years ago, when he shared that with me, I said, well, I'm, I'll never have Alzheimer's or dementia or Lou Gehrig's or Parkinson's or any of those diseases because that's part of sickness and disease that Jesus bore for us on the cross. So if you can show me in the Bible that at a certain age it doesn't apply to you anymore, well, then we'll go from there. <laughs> but God's word always applies to you, so that's why at, at 120 years old, not only did he have perfect eyesight, but... Like Pastor said, King James says his natural force is abated. That means he did not have osteoporosis, arthritis, brusitis, tendonitis. All he had was Goditis. <laughs> Amen. And so he still was strong and healthy and could still go out. Like, like if, if Jesus tarries, I'll still be playing golf and tennis at 120. Amen. Still strong and healthy. But, of course, you know, you do have to do the things in the natural. You can't neglect the body. There's three things. I wrote a book. God had me write a book. I wish I would have brought some with me. I didn't. But anyway, it's, 
It's called long life, because God told me years ago, he said, I never promised you long existence, I promised you long life. Yeah. And um, so then he took me through the scriptures and showed me what long life entailed, and, and then how, how that even the scriptures talks about uh, natural things like sleep. You have to have sleep, and if you neglect sleep, it'll affect your health. Uh, what you eat will affect your health. As much as I would love to li live on Oreo cookies and milk, I can't do that. <laughs> um, uh, exercise, people try and get out of that one because the Apostle Paul said, bodily exercise profiteth little. And people have taken the King Jimmy translation, little, thinking, oh, you don't get much profit out of exercise. And that's what, not what he said at all. If you read the context, he, he likens exercise littleth as to your lifetime on earth. That's the littleth. And then uh, godliness profits your lifetime on the earth and the life after. So profit, you profit from exercise your whole entire life. And if you don't exercise, you're going to have muscles that atrophy. You're going to have joints that have problems. So there's natural things that have to be taken care of uh, when you're acting on the word because it's part of the word. <laughs> Anyway, that wasn't even part of my sermon. That's just all free extra. So, Turn over to 2 Peter with me. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read a couple of verses here before we get into our main topic here. 2 Peter chapter 1. I love what the Apostle Peter said here. And it's going to apply to what we're looking at today. Because I'm sure uh, I've heard how awesome your pastor is at teaching this subject. And so I'm sure that I'll be sharing things probably you've heard before. But I found out God's Word is still full of life, still full of health, still full of anointing, still full of His glory and His power, and, and uh, no matter how many times you've heard it. So 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13 says, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, talking about the Word of God is shared, even though you know them and are presently established in the truth. Yes, I think it's right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up and keep reminding you. So I thought it was interesting that the Apostle Peter said, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to neglect continuing to remind you. But then look what he said, even though you know what I'm preaching and even though you're established in it, which simply means you're actually doing it and it's working, you're getting fruit from it. It's working in your life. And yet he said, I'm still not going to be negligent to remind you of it. And I'm going to still stir you up and put you in remembrance. So it shows us that we need the Word of God on a regular and continual basis, no matter how much we know. I always say faith comes by hearing, faith leaves by not hearing. You can't live on yesteryear's faith. So you have to keep hearing the Word of God. And when it comes to receiving physical healing from the body, you need to continually be reminded. And what we believe, here's a big one the devil uses all the time, all over the world I go. You can't, you can't be... Uh, believing based on what happened to somebody else. The devil loves to you know, jump on Christian shoulders when they're believing for healing and say, yeah, but your genetics, or yeah, but your family tree, or yeah, but your grandmother, or your mother, or your dad, or this, or you, well, you know, that pastor, he believed for healing and he died, so it must not be God's will for, and the devil loves to get you focused on what happened to somebody or what didn't happen to somebody rather than your faith based on the Word of God. Doesn't matter what happens to your pastor, what happens to me, that doesn't change God's Word. 
And people have tried to use that, even people that don't believe it's God's will to heal all, they'll try and use somebody's experience. Well, you know, so-and-so, they believe God and they didn't get healed, so it must not be God's will. Well, if, that, if that's how you ascertain God's will, then you could say, well, it must not be God's will to save everybody. Because I witnessed to that guy and he didn't accept Jesus, so it just must be God's will for him to go to hell. No, no, God's will is God's word. We call it the last will and testament. It is God's will and never changes. It's always God's will for everyone on the planet earth to be saved. Everyone, it's God's will to heal. Everyone, it's God's will to be financially free. Everyone, it's God's will to be emotionally free. It's God's will. When Jesus said it's finished, he didn't say almost. (laughs) And when Jesus said it's finished, you have to remember in context, he said he's the last Adam. He didn't say the second Adam, third Adam, fourth or fifth. He said last Adam, signifying that he restored us to the point of what the first Adam screwed up. He restored us back to that point before sin. We didn't need another Adam. We needed Jesus, and he restored us back. That's why in my partner letter for over a year now, every month I write a partner letter to my partners, and I always pray and spend several hours writing the letter, just getting the mind of God and what I can share with my partners. And I've been sharing how to live a Garden of Eden-like lifestyle. You, you can lit, literally live in a utopia right in the middle of storms and, and troubles in your life. Literally. You can do that. I, I do it. I know. And I, I have other friends that do it as well that have the revelation. I mean, walk right just like Psalm 23. If we just believe some of the word, it, it would be helpful, wouldn't it? The 23rd Psalm, everybody can quote it, but nobody lives there. Most people don't live it. Walk right through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Yeah. Yeah. Why? It says we walk through. It doesn't say we camp in. <laughs> it didn't say we get defeated in. It said we walk through. How do we walk through? By faith and not by sight. Why? Because God is with me. His rod and staff, they comfort me. And, and he even, get hold of this. You talk about party time with God. He says, I even set up a table right in front of you, King James says before you, right in front of you in the presence of your enemies. So the valley you're going through that has all the enemies, God says, come on, let's sit down and have a, a seven-course meal together. And I'll be the chef, he says. Can you imagine the chef of heaven fixing you a seven-course meal while you're facing problems? That kind of sounds like he wants you to rest. Huh? Come on. I'm doing better preaching than your amen and now. <laughs> he wants us to rest, and, and that's what faith is all about. Every time I minister to a child of God that's having problems getting healing, it's usually because they're not at rest. They're struggling, they're striving, they're trying, they're hard, and they're just going, I got to get healed, I got to get healed, I got to get healed, instead of resting in that I'm already healed. Jesus already did this, it's already been done, I have to accept what he's already done. See, we have to believe correctly. Believing is our doctrine. In fact, turn over to Timothy, 2 Timothy with me. 2 Timothy, what we believe is called our doctrine, Bible doctrine. So many people's doctrines is messed up because it's not according to the word. The Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture, how much? All Scripture is given by God inspired man. So He inspired man to write it down. So inspiration of God and is profitable. And then mentions uh, five things or four things here. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. But I want to zero in on doctrine. He says, God's Word, all Scripture is profitable for doctrine. 
The doctrine referred to here means that we are supposed to believe that God, His Word, and His ways are always the way and the truth. And you could add the life. Always. So that's, that's what this means when it says God's Word is profitable for, for doctrine. So God's Word has got to be the truth that you live by. It has to be the truth of, the, of what you make decisions on a day-to-day basis. So if you make decisions on doing this concerning your health or doing that concerning your finances, doing this concerning your marriage, whatever, you need to be making those decisions based on truth. So that's Bible doctrine. And that's what Scripture is profitable for. So let's look at some truth uh, so our believing is correct when it comes to healing uh, today. Colossians chapter 2, turn over there with me, Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6. In fact, we'll read verses 6 and 7. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So I want to, I want to zero in on verse 6. As, as you therefore have received Jesus, the way you receive Jesus is, according to this verse, the way you continue to live the rest of your life in Jesus. Isn't that what it's saying? The way you receive Jesus is the way you continue to live your life. Well, how did you receive Jesus? By grace, through faith is how you receive Jesus. So the way you received him is the way you walk out your day-to-day activities in your marriage, in your finances, in your emotions, in your health, etc. Therefore, just like by grace you have been saved from sin by believing what Jesus did on the cross... Also, by grace, you have been saved from sickness by believing what Jesus did for you at the cross. And you could go right on. Also, by grace, you have been saved from depression, stress, and all those kinds of things by believing what Jesus did for you at the cross. And you could go on. Also, you've been saved from poverty by believing what Jesus did for you at the cross. That's that's one revelation concerning finances that my wife and I got a hold of years ago that caused us to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars off of debt for our ministry property and, and then pay off the hundreds of thousands of debt for our home and get, get debt free years ago and not owe any man anything but to love him. But we got a revelation that when Jesus was at the cross, he bore my poverty for me. And he made me rich just like he bore my sin and made me righteous before I ever did a righteous act. I was already righteous just because I accepted what he did. That's grace. That's faith in what he did. And so then grace flowed. So I had to do the same thing with finances. By grace, I am rich by faith. And then when I believe that, that grace then empowered me to become what he already made me. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And I was saying, I was already saying I'm rich. Some, of, some people would have called me lying. If they would have looked at the facts and reality, it sure looked like a lie. But see, I was speaking the truth, and truth supersedes facts. And so then God would show you this, now invest here and buy and sell this and do this and invest here. And before we knew it, we were out of debt, and we had lots of money left over to be a blessing to the kingdom of God.
that's not part of my sermon here today, but I, I'm going to flow with the Holy Ghost. So some people need to hear some things, and I see things in the Spirit when I'm preaching, and so I just take side journeys. But uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 with me, Ephesians chapter 2. So the way you receive Jesus is the way you're to walk in Jesus. The way you received him was by grace through faith. The way you're supposed to walk in him is by grace through faith. No matter what subject you talk about, by grace through faith. So look, here it is. This is the one we quote all the time, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Well, the grace is not of you, the salvation is not of you, and the faith is not of you. It's, it's all of him, so he gets all the glory. It's the gift of God. Not of works, not based on your performance, lest anyone should boast. Now, verse 8 says, by grace you have been saved. The word grace, if you've looked it up, the Greek word charis, it, it means it's a, it's a benefit uh, from God, or a benefit of God, a favor from God, a gift of God that God gives to man, not because man deserves it or because he's earned it, but purely because God loves them. I'm going to say that again. Grace is a benefit of God, a favor from God, a gift that God gives to man, not because man deserves it or has earned it, but purely because God loves them. That's grace. That's a simple, pure definition of grace. Therefore, your salvation is a benefit. It is a uh, gift. It is a favor from God that's not connected to your performance, but totally on God's love for you. Now, by grace are you saved. This word saved is a Greek word sozo, not bozo, but sozo. Sozo, S-O-Z-O. And this word sozo means saved, delivered, preserved, protected, healed, made whole. It includes the whole package. Your pastor and us, uh, I were, we were all talking last night about different men, great men of God. And one of the ones that came up in our conversation was T.L. Osborne. I love T.L. Osborne because it was so simple you couldn't miss it. I mean, he could make a statement like, God loves you. And you'd go, yes, he does. And you'd just like, oh, yes, oh, yes, okay, he really does. And, um, but anyways, uh, TL, one, one meeting that I was in, he said this. He said, salvation is the sum total of all the blessings of God bestowed on man by God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Salvation, the whole package of salvation, salvation, he said, the sum total of all the blessings of God bestowed on man by God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. But he was letting us know that salvation isn't just getting saved from sin, it's a whole package. That's why now through these last 40 years, I've always, when I witness to somebody, if I get them saved, I instantly ask, do you need healing in your body? Do you need financial blessings in your life? Do you need to be set free emotionally from bad temper, anger, from stress, worry, depression, discouragement, anything? Because you just received Jesus and now you've got a whole package available to you. <laughs> Isn't that good news? Praise God. So, so by grace. But one of the definitions of this word sozo is healed. To be made whole, another definition, which includes the miraculous and wholeness of the body. If somebody's not sick, but they maybe have a part missing and need a new part or something like that, they can be made whole. But saved from sickness is part of sozo, just like saved from sin. So you're saved from sin by grace. Guess what? With this word sozo, you're saved from sickness by grace. In fact, to prove that this word sozo 
We always let Scripture interpret Scripture. Don't ever believe Scripture just because your pastor, me, or anyone else says it. You always be like the Bereans. Study yourself to see if what Paul is saying is true. Study to see yourself if what Brother Larry or Pastor Chip or whoever is saying is true. Once the word is alive to you and you know it for you, not because somebody else said it, that's when it works for you. So, in fact, let's prove this word sozo that's translated saved here also refers to your physical health. Let's look at some verses that use this same word. Go to Mark chapter 5 with me. Mark chapter 5. And let's go to verse 23. Well, let's start reading in verse 22. This is uh, Jairus, one of the rulers of the synagogue. Mark 5, 22. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, he was, his name was Jairus, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, talking about Jesus, and he begged Jesus, saying, verse 23, my little daughter, daughter lies at the point of death, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Notice that last phrase, come and lay your hands on her that she may be what? Healed. That word healed is the Greek word sozo, the same word that we're looking at translated saved in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved. So now we see it's actually applying to healing for this, for this girl. And of course, if you read the rest of the story, you know, she died and then she was raised up from the dead. But she was not only raised from the dead, she was also healed so she didn't die again. <laughs> Whatever killed her the first time, right? So this word healed, sozo, means healed just like it means saved from sin. It means saved from sickness. All right, let's look at another one. Go to Luke chapter 8. Luke, the eighth chapter. This is where Jesus heals the man in the country of the Gadarenes. You know, the one that was possessed by demons. But I want you to see, let's go, let's start in verse 35. I want to get to verse 36. Luke 8, 35. Then they went out to see what had happened. This is after the guy got delivered and all the demons cast out of him. Uh, they came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Remember, he was always naked and they tried to bind him with chains and the chains couldn't hold him. He'd always get free and stuff. Well, verse 36 says, they also who had, been, who had seen it happen, they saw Jesus deliver him. They told them by what means he had been demon possessed was healed. This word healed is the Greek word sozo. Same one we're looking at in Ephesians 2.8, by grace you're saved. So now here's, here's a guy that gets saved from demonic oppression, demonic possession, and that's included in salvation. So we're starting to see this package includes a whole lot. You can unwrap a lot of package here, can't you? That's good news. All right, turn over to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Let's read, let's start in verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a crippled from his mother's womb who had never walked. So he was born crippled. Verse 9, this man heard Paul speaking. And of course, you and I know what Paul spoke. What did he speak? He spoke the word. So he was preaching and teaching the word of God. This man heard him preach. And Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And the man leaped and walked. So Paul preached the gospel. He saw that the man had, look at verse 9, the man had faith to be what? Healed. This word healed is the Greek word sozo. 
For by grace are you saved, sozoed through faith. So now we're seeing once again that the word sozo means healed because this guy was crippled. He needed healing. He needed the miraculous. He needed wholeness. So here we, we see it translated healed. So let's go back to Ephesians 2.8 now. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been sozoed. You have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Well, you know this grace saves us from sin because if you back up to verse 5, it says, even when you were dead in trespasses and sins, you were made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So we know it includes salvation from sin. So let me ask you this. Um, is it God's will, or I can say it this way, is being saved from sin God's will for all? We say yes, but do we have scripture to back that up? We always want to back up our, script, our, our answers with scripture. So John three sixteen, God so loved the, the world. Okay, so that sounds like it's God's will for everybody to be saved from sin. Uh, uh, Romans ten thirteen, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever kind of sounds like it's God's will for all to be saved from sin. Second um, Peter three nine, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, that kind of sounds like it's the will of God for all to be saved from sin. First uh, Timothy what two sixteen um, or two six. Um, um, Jesus gave his life a ransom for all. Hmm, sounds like all would be all, right? So it must be God's will for all to be saved from sin. That must be God's will. So does that mean that every single person, human being, can be saved from sin? Yes, absolutely. Then my next question is this, is, is God's will being safe, is it God's will for everyone to be saved from sickness? Well, now that we see that the word saved here means healed, then everyone can be healed just like everyone can be saved from sin. So then the question becomes, well, how do we get healing grace from God to us? Well, it says right here, for by grace you have been saved, sozoed, healed through faith. So that shows us then faith is the channel to be saved from sin, and faith is the channel to be saved from sickness. But faith, according to this, has to be in grace. That means Faith is in what Jesus has done and not what you and I have or have not done. The foundation of our faith is always based on Jesus, the expression of God's will. Once you know God's will, then it's easy to, be, uh, to use your faith because once you find out it's God's will for all to be saved, then you don't have to pray, Lord, if it be thy will, save me. You know, no sinner ever got prayed or got saved praying, Lord, if it be thy will, save me. Just like I never got healed, Lord, if it be thy will, heal me. I prayed down. I grew up in the Methodist church. Everybody, that's how they told you to pray in my church growing up. Lord, if it be thy will, heal me. And I prayed that way all my life, never got healed. Everybody else in my church prayed that way. Nobody got healed. You'd thought we'd gotten a clue. Maybe we're praying wrong because <laughs> nobody ever got it. Then when I got over to a church like this one, and I was 22 years old, and I got under a good pastor like Pastor Chip, and I heard it is God's will to heal all. And I found out, well, if it's God's will to heal all, I'm an all. <laughs> Once I found out it was God's will, I was able to accept healing for my body, just like I accept salvation from sin by faith. 
but it wasn't based on what I did or didn't do. I just accepted what Jesus did for me at the cross. Wow. So we can see this scripture that it is God's will to save all. Likewise, you have to know it's God's will to heal all in order to use your faith for healing. So let's lay, let's lay a little more foundation. We can use this verse. Okay, salvation is included, healing is included in this verse. By grace you have been healed, just like grace you've been saved. So let's look at, let's look at another passage. Go to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And we're going to look at, uh, we'll start reading this story in verse number 10. This is that lady that had had a uh, curvature of the spine, very, very bad for 18 years, couldn't even stand up straight at all. Let's read her story. Verse 10, that Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Before we go on, that just shows you that evil spirits often are connected with sickness and disease. It's called a spirit of infirmity. It didn't say just she was just sick. It says a spirit was causing the sickness. So it says... Um, she had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, was bent over, could no wise raise herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Interesting, she was still bent over, but he said, You're already loosed. Then he touched her, he laid his hands on her, and then she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue got mad, and you know the rest of the story, you know, and Jesus called him a hypocrite because they got mad that he healed on the Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Now with us, every day is the Sabbath. We don't have one day a week that's Sabbath. We have every day. Glory to God. We celebrate Easter every day. We celebrate Christmas every day, right? Praise God. And so, um, so he, um, he rebuked them, called them hypocrites. And then he said to them in verse 16, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. It didn't say God made her sick. Come on. Somebody said, yeah, but God permitted it. No, God doesn't use the devil for his work. Never has, never will. You know, what, you know God had me do something one time. This makes it real easy because somebody was questioning, well, how can you prove sickness and disease doesn't come from God? How can you prove that God doesn't use it? Well, first of all, God never changes. And if God used sickness and disease down here on earth, he's going to have to use it when you get to heaven. But since there isn't any up there, that's out of the question. But here's what I did one time. The Lord had me. I went to the beginning of the book before Satan came on the scene. And I found out there was no sickness and no disease. Then I went to the end of the book, Revelations 20, where the devil's cast in the bottomless pit. And then Revelations 21, verse 4 says, There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. Huh. No more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. That does away with sickness because that causes all of it. <laughs> so, so after the devil leaves the scene, there's no sickness and disease. Then I go back to the beginning of the book in Genesis 3 and onward, and I find out from the time Satan came on the scene until he's thrown into the lake of fire, the bottomless pit, and leaves the scene, there's all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Duh. My brain cells woke up, and I thought, well, then that shows you who the author of sickness and disease is. Sure, it didn't come from God. <laughs> didn't start with God, didn't end with God, but it started with the devil, and it ends with the devil. Amen. But the good news is that Jesus defeated the devil, gave you and I authority over him so that we can actually stand against sickness and disease that comes against us. 
Doesn't mean we're not going to get attacked. Of course we're going to get attacked. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but Jesus didn't say go ahead and tribulate. <laughs> Amen. Remember John 16, 33, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He didn't tell us to tribulate. He said you're going to have it come against you, but you, could, you don't have to yield to it. One of the biggest revelations that I gave a guy one time, he was sitting in my office. He, this guy was a Christian for 30 years. He had gone to the same Bible school I went to. He knew the Word of God, but he was fighting depression, major depression. And so he called me up. He knew I had revelation in that area and that I live in peace all the time. And he said, Larry, I need help. And I said, come, come talk to me. So he came and he's sitting across the desk from me in my office. And, and um, I start sharing some scripture with him. I looked up at him and I said, called him by name. And I said, you know, you don't have to let your feelings tell you how you feel. And when he said that, when I said that to him, he looked at me like I'd slapped him with a wet dish rag. <laughs> he looked at me I'm like, what? What did you say? In fact, he even asked me, he said, say that again. I said, you don't have to allow your feelings to tell you how you feel. He said, Brother Larry, I've never heard that in my life. I've never heard that in Bible school. I've never heard any other preacher say that or anything. What do you mean I have to let my, I thought how I feel is how I feel. I said, no, I said, the devil loves to take control of people's feelings just like he loves to take control of their bodies, just like he loves to take control of their finances, just like he loves to take their, taking control of their marriage, just like he likes to take control of their spiritual life and get them into sin. He'll, he'll take control of any area you yield to him. He said, you don't have to yield your feelings and emotions. Jesus gave you a spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, and when he moved inside you, he brought nine fruit. I call them nine pieces of baggage because he wants you to get rid of your baggage. But he brought nine pieces of fruit and two of them are feeling fruit. Joy and peace affect the way you feel. Do you know that? And here's the cool thing. They're not natural joy and natural peace. Not natural. They're supernatural. They're God's joy and God's peace. And he sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies. Come on. So I told this guy, I said, no, you don't have to allow your feelings to tell you how you feel. And it was just major revelation to him. He got, got, got revelation that day in, in great help that if we'll look to what Jesus did for us at the cross, we get supernatural empowerment. That's what grace is. For by grace you were saved. So it didn't matter how many sins you committed. You, you, you probably should have, I don't know if you ever did, but some people tried to confess their sins to get saved. The scripture nowhere tells you to confess your sins to get saved. And the reason is you couldn't remember half of them. <laughs> it wouldn't do you any good to confess your sins because it wasn't your sins that were sending you to hell. It was sin that sends you to hell. You're born with that nature and that was from Adam. You get to blame him when you talk to him later on. So sin was passed on to all humanity because of what Adam did, not because of what you and I have done. So you don't confess your sins, you confess Jesus. When you confess Jesus, then pfft, he wipes away by, based on what he's already done at the cross nearly 2,000 years ago, he wipes away all your sins, past, present, and future. I, I see Christians get a real problem when they hear, he's forgiven my future sins. Well, you better hope he did because all of your sins were future before you ever accepted Jesus. And if, it, if he doesn't take care of future sins, you're up the creek without a paddle. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I want you to see, we're back to this. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. So Satan made her sick. 
Think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Jesus said, she ought to be loosed from this. She ought to be healed of this. She ought to be delivered from this. And what was the reason Jesus said she had a right to be healed? Look at verse 16. So ought not this woman being a daughter of whom? Jesus said, because she was the seed of Abraham, then healing belonged to her, or she had a God-given right to be healed. Hold your place here. We'll come back to it. Go to Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3. I know you all know these verses, but we're going to put you into remembrance. We're going to stir you up. Galatians 3, first of all, verse 26 and then verse 29. She had a right to be healed because she was the seed or offspring or child of Abraham. So look at verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That means you're the offspring of Jesus. You're a child of God. Right? Then, then look at verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, if you belong to the Messiah, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the right, I promise. Remember, she had the right to be healed because she was the seed of Abraham. And if you belong to Christ, this says you are Abraham's seed. Do you get that? So when we go back to Luke 13, where I have you holding, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, think of it, 18 years, be loose from the bond on the Sabbath. And this is before Jesus went to the cross. Interesting. Even before he went to the cross, she had a right to be healed because she was Abraham's seed. Healing and health belonged to her because she was Abraham. And you and I even have it better off than she did. Not only are you Abraham's seed, but verse 26 of Galatians 3, you are all sons of God. <laughs> so therefore, healing for your body belongs to you because you are connected to Abraham. You're Abraham's seed. But also, number two, your body belongs to you or uh, healing belongs to your body because you're connected to Jesus. You're connected to Abraham, healing belongs to you. You're connected to Jesus, healing belongs to you. Wow. That's not a double whammy, that's a double blessing. <laughs> All right, turn over to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, is anybody getting anything? Hallelujah. I'm preaching me happy. Glory to God. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he, speaking of Jesus, surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripe or blow or bruise we are healed. So verse 4, surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And it's, it's funny because you can go on in verse 6. We like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, that's God, laid on him, Jesus, the sins, iniquity of us all. There's another proof right there the whole world can be saved because he didn't lay the same sins of some people on Jesus. He laid the sins of the world on Jesus, on all. And then verse 10, it even says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's the stripe or blow or bruise that we've been healed by. Jesus, God laid on Jesus a, a blow, a bruise, a stripe that brought us healing. It brought us salvation. It brought us a whole package of sozo. Hallelujah. So back to verse 4. Jesus, 
bore, it says, Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. I remember when I first started here and when I still was sick in my body, I had a, I had a disease, I can't pronounce the name, it's too long, but I had this disease where I was allergic and had allergic reactions to over 120 different things. And so I was always having these reactions. Well, I was a, an athlete and so I was on medication because the medicate three different medications every day uh, for 20 years. And so the medications would alleviate the symptoms most of the time, not all the time. Sometimes a major attack would come and I'd end up in bed for two days and have to miss my advance or miss school, school or whatever. But um, uh, then I sat under a good pastor like Pastor Chip and I found out that this word grief and sorrow, the word grief actually also means sickness and disease if you look up the Hebrew. And then the word sorrows, if you look it up, also means pains. Now, not just physical pain, also means emotional pain. But I found out Jesus bore my sickness, my disease, and my pains. And so that was one of the verses of Scripture I put my faith in and got healed of that disease when I was 22, threw all the medication away, haven't had a drop since. So I've been sick and I've been well, and as one preacher said, well's better. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So... And then my grandmother, my grandmother at, at 75 years of age had terminal cancer. Given up, the doctor said, you have about six months to live. So I was getting ready to go down to Florida, Winter Haven, Florida, to help my father in the faith, uh, the late Kenneth E. Hagan. He was having a healing crusade in Winter Haven, Florida. And he did three meetings a day, morning, afternoon, and night. Started on a Sunday night, went through a Friday night. Well, I knew my grandmother was dying of cancer. She lived in Brooksville, Florida, just a couple hours away from Winter Haven. So I called her up. She was a Methodist lady. She was a feisty old lady. And she was, I didn't really expect her to uh, agree with what I was going to ask her, but I thought I'd ask her anyway. And so I called her up. I said, Grandma, you know I've traveled with, the late, with, with Kenneth e. Hagan, and, and he's had a lot of people healed of cancer under his ministry, and he's doing a healing crusade down in Winter Haven, not far from you. Uh, would you like to come? Because I'd love you to come. You know, I'll make sure you, I get your seats and, and you can have hands laid on you and you can get healed of that cancer. And she said, okay, I'll come. I said, you will? <laughs> she said, yeah, I'll come. I said, okay. So she came. She was there for Sunday afternoon. So she was there by, for the very first service Sunday evening. And Brother Hagin started preaching uh, on healing that night, showing everybody it's God's will to heal all. And my grandmother sat in that service. And I told her before the service started, I said, Grandma, and I had an unction from the Holy Ghost to tell her this. I said, um, the Lord spoke something to me, Grandma. I said, don't get in the healing line the first part of the week. She questioned it. Well, why? That's what I came for. I want to get healed. And you said he could lay hands on me and I get healed. I said, Grandma, just trust me. Don't get in the healing line the first part of the week. Wait till the end of the week and then get in the healing line. She said, okay. So she said, you'll let me know when I can get it. I said, yes. So she sat in Sunday night's meeting, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, after which she walked up to me after Wednesday morning. And she said, Larry, guess what? I said, what? She said, I don't need to get in the healing line now. Well, I knew what she'd been hearing. So it sounded to me like she's going to believe God's word, be healed of this cancer without even getting prayed for. That's what it sounded like to me. But I questioned her when she said, I don't need to get in the healing line. I said, Grandma, why don't you need to get in the healing line? She said, haven't you been listening? I'm already healed. 
I said, well, yeah, Grandma, I've been listening. I said, but I just wanted to make sure that what, what, what you're believing here. And, and uh, she said, well, I'm already healed. So I just prodded a little further. I prodded more. I wanted to make sure she wasn't believing she was healed just because Brother Hagin said to say so. Because that wouldn't have worked. You have to know it because God said so. So I prodded when she said, haven't you been listening? I'm already healed. I said, well, Grandma, how do you know you're healed? And boy, the first three words out of her mouth almost set me to running. I mean, I almost took off running. <laughs> Only reason I didn't is I wanted to stop and see what she said. So I didn't take off running. But the first three words out of her mouth when I said, Grandma, how do you know you're healed? She said, it is written. And she started quoting the word. I wanted to take off running, but I wanted to stop and make sure what she spoke was the word. So I didn't. Uh, she said, it is written. And she said, Jesus bore my sicknesses and no use. Now, remember, I told you she was a feisty old lady. She said, Jesus bore my sicknesses and no use. Both of us bearing them. In other words, if Jesus bore it, I don't have to. He did it for me. See, which is what she heard, that word bear. If you look up the word in the Hebrew, it's a substitutionary term. Just like you have a substitute teacher when all of us probably had a substitute teacher in school. What did that mean? The main teacher didn't have to be there. Why? Because the substitute took their place. Jesus took our place on the cross and bore our sickness and bore our disease so we don't have to. My grandma got a hold of that less than three days and thousands of people were at this meeting and witnesses because she was still there after three days. All the cancer had disappeared from her body. That was at 75 years of age. Cancer never did return to her body. She lived till she was 95. And that was just because nobody prayed for her, nobody touched her, nobody laid hands on her. Didn't get a 24-hour prayer chain and call up everybody all over the country and said, you got to pray, you got to pray, I'm about to die of cancer. No, she didn't do any of that. She just believed the word. And cancer disappeared from her body. Wow. You mean that's possible? Nah, I'm just teasing. <laughs> of course it's possible. Anything and all things are possible with God when we dare to believe. But it's so interesting. Here's this Methodist lady that had never heard anything about healing. She comes to Brother Hagin's meeting. She gets doused for seven services in healing, anointing for the, from the Word of God. And then she just, simple childlike face says, well, that's it. I'm healed. Don't need to do anything else. I'm healed. Jesus already did it all, so I'll just rest. And she rested in what we, what we call the finished work of Jesus. She rested in what Jesus already did. When you rest in it, that's when grace flows. Grace is what empowers you to get saved from sin. Grace is what empowers you to be what you can't be, have what you can't have on your own, do what you can't do on your own. Grandma couldn't get healed of cancer on her own, but once she put her faith in what Jesus did, grace empowered her to be healed, which was impossible. Are you all with me? Remember, we're, we're basing everything we're saying on what we, our foundation text for this meeting is Colossians 2, 6. The way you receive Jesus is the way you live the rest of your life. The walk, you walk the walk the rest of your days on earth. You walk every area of your life. You walk the same way you received him. By grace, through faith. By grace, through faith. So last year when cancer attacked my body, of course I've been healed of that incurable disease many years and I've had other things attack me. I, I remember when I turned it, got into my 50s, I'm 67, almost I'll be 68 this month. When I got into my 50s, um, I remember uh, Mr. Arthur came to visit me. You know who Arthur is, right? Arthritis. 
<laughs> yeah, Mr. Author came to visit me. And I was told before I ever got there, just wait, wait till you're in your 50s, you know, and, and the joints start creaking. And, the, you know, they lay all this stuff of the world, and it's factual, it's real, but it's not truth. So you don't have to receive it, you don't have to walk in it. But I remember in my 50s, all of a sudden, man, pain, starting my joints and my knees and what the heck? No, and I just resisted. I said, no, Mr. Arthur, you're not welcome in my body. You get out of my body. I'm not having you, and I resisted it, and it fled. Tried to come back a couple times since then, but I never let it stay. I will not have arthritis, brusitis, tendonitis, just goditis. Amen. Don't have to have sickness, disease, or pain. We just read here, griefs means sickness and disease, sorrows means pain. Jesus bore my sickness, my disease, and my pain. And if you go back to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, and you go from like the, the 15th to the 67th verses where it talks about all the curses, it includes every sickness and disease known to mankind or unknown to mankind. <laughs> yeah, he even says that in verse 61 of Deuteronomy. He says, he says all sickness uh, and all disease that's not written in the book of this law, them, they're included under the curse of the law. So I'm healed of all sickness and disease that's, that was ever mentioned, and all sickness and disease, they still haven't come up for, with a name yet. <laughs> you know, they never had Wuhan before, <laughs> or, or COVID or whatever. They never, they, they'll probably come up with some new name. Well, monkeypox has already been around a long time, but they'll always try and come up with something to try and put fear in people. But you and I don't have to be afraid of anything, especially since the devil is the one behind it all, and he's already been defeated whipped, stripped, made a show of openly, put underneath your feet, you have authority over him. Jesus said, I've given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And that meant demons and devils is what it meant in context because they'd just gotten back from a trip. The 70 had just gotten back from a trip in Luke 10 there. They'd just gotten back and they were casting out demons and healing the sick and raising the dead. They were doing all those things. And they came back to Jesus and said, man, the devils are subject to us because of the name of Jesus we used. And Jesus said, oh, don't rejoice at that. That's no big deal. Rejoice that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He said, what they just said about devils was no big deal to Jesus. Of course the devils have to bow. Yeah. And so then he says in verse 19, behold, I give to you authority to tread on demons and, and evil spirits and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. Nada. Zilcho. Zero. <laughs> I don't know many languages, so I can't tell you more than that. So, <laughs> Hallelujah. So, let's go, uh, let me see, where do we want to go here? Let's go over to 1 Peter, chapter 2, looking at verses that we know. But there's always more revelation to come, isn't there? Always more insight. We only see in part and know in part, so thank God He keeps showing us more parts, and we see more and know more. 1 Peter 2, 24. Speaking of Jesus, says who, who's Jesus, himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Well, my pastor, my, I've had two mentors in my life. My pastor, the late Curtis Bradford, he's in heaven with Brother Hagin. And then my second mentor, the late Kenneth E. Hagin. Those are my two mentors in life. And my first mentor, Curtis Bradford, challenged me on this verse when I said, by his stripes were healed. He said, Larry, he said, you know that word stripes is not plural. It caught my attention. I said, really? He said, yeah, why don't you study it out? 
He always, he always made me study instead of him doing my studying for me. <laughs> that was a good thing. And so I looked up the word stripes, and sure enough, the, the uh, Greek word is singular. And I looked up, because I knew Peter was quoting Isaiah, where we just read, with his stripes we were healed. And the King James, the most translation, has it plural, stripes. And some of them say blow or bruise, uh, wound. Uh, but I looked up the Hebrew word, and it was singular. So then I read W.E. Vines, because I've used W.E. Vines a lot, both expository and the New and Old Testaments. So I looked up W.E. Vines, and let me read what W.E. Vines says about this word stripes here. It's actually the Greek word molops. I don't know if you're, I'm pronouncing it right. M-O-L-O-P-S, molops, or molops, or whatever it is. Anyway, this is what W.E. Vines says. Stripes is a bruise. A wound from a stripe is used in 1 Peter 2.24, literally in the original it read by whose bruise, not referring to Christ's scourging. So not referring to the soldiers that whipped him. Not referring to Christ's scourging, but figurative of the stroke of divine judgment administered vicariously to him on the cross. Vicariously means that he took the place of someone else, and you and I know that's me and you. So he says, not referring to the soldiers whipping him, but this is figurative of the stroke of the judgment that God laid on Jesus. By that stripe, by that blow, by that bruise, you have been saved, healed, delivered, preserved, protected, made whole by that. That's when God, according to Isaiah, that's why we went on and saw, when God laid on him the iniquity of us all, it was that stripe. And so when I saw that, I I thought, oh my goodness, and I even remember talking to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, I said, but let me tell you something. You know, I always believe, like all the other preachers that I've always followed after, we always quoted and we always said it was the stripes of the Roman soldiers. I said, Lord, I said, I even got healed. Remember, I, I was telling the Lord this, of course, he knew. But I said, but Lord, remember back in uh, 1976 when I got healed after 22 years uh, uh, old, I got healed of that incurable disease and I was believing by your stripes, plural, and I got healed believing by your stripes, plural. And he said, yeah, but you weren't believing the stripes healed you. You were believing that I healed you. And I said, well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was. (laughs) He says, it wasn't what man did to me. It wasn't what man did to Jesus that brought us healing. It's what God did to Jesus that brought us healing. And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you would have done like you, he really stepped on my toes here, like you word preachers tell everyone else to do, if you would have interpreted this in context instead of just pulling that last statement out and not having any scripture to substantiate it and build your own hypothesis or theory, if you would have read it in context, I told you in this verse when that happened. And I went back to the first part of the verse and, hmm, who his own self bear our sins in his own body, oh, on the tree. That's when he bore my sins That's when he took the stripe that brought healing for my body. That's when he bore all curses for us. In fact, Galatians 3.13 says he became a curse and and he bore our curses, redeemed us from the curse when he hung on the tree. 
That's when we were redeemed from every curse. Well, of course, that messed up my 39-stripe sermon. Some other preachers have that sermon too, you know, 39 stripes covered every sickness and illness and disease, and so it was a great sermon, but <laughs> had to throw that one out. <laughs> That's all right. I'm, I'll be the first one to admit it. I don't know it all, and neither does any other preacher. We only know in part and see in part. Your pastor knows things I don't know. I know things that other preachers don't know. They know things that we don't know. We need each other, friends. Amen. But basically, we're learning here that Jesus is the one that did it for us and that God laid on him a stripe, a blow, a bruise. God bruised him. That's why when we read in verse 10 of Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It actually pleased God to lay your sins and your sicknesses and your diseases and your depression and your discouragement and every curse on Jesus. It pleased him because he knew that you were going to get the benefit of it. He was going to raise Jesus from the dead and raise him from sickness and raise him from disease and raise him from depression. And you and I were going to be raised with him. And then we were going to be put right next to Jesus in a seat in heaven, whoo, sitting on the right hand of God together. Wow. Is this helping y'all? Man, I'm preaching. This is really good stuff. I'm, I'm loving hearing this. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, um, Let's go over to Matthew 8. I'm going to try and find a place where I can close here sometime. <laughs> Although you keep pulling more out of me, y'all got, got to quit pulling more out of me because it's your fault that I keep going. <laughs> but you know what? I love hungry folk. It's funny, too, because you guys call this healing school, don't you? Yeah. And you know one of my favorite times? I preach all over the world, but I've preached at Ramah's over in Australia and Ramah's in Singapore, and I've preached in... Um, uh, Karis Bible Colleges, which is Andrew Womack's college. I've preached in those in Florida and different places. And, and then I've preached in uh, uh, Life Christian University, which is where I got my doctorate degree from. They have campuses all around the nation. I've preached in those. For, I've preached their graduation services and stuff. I have just as much, maybe even more fun preaching at Bible schools than anywhere else. Because everyone there is there to learn. A lot of times when you just go to church, people are sitting there going, show me your stuff. <laughs> or just be done by such and such because I'm hungry. Or They're not there to draw and learn, but the Bible school students, like 100% of them are there. They're ready to suck you dry. That's why I like when I saw healing school. Yeah, see, people are going to be here because they actually want to learn. So you don't have people just back there, you know, like the Pharisees or doctors of law. They would come to Jesus' services and just put the brakes on Jesus. Remember? Mark chapter 6 said Jesus couldn't even do anything in his own hometown. And in fact, Luke chapter 5, if you've ever read that, Jesus was in a place. Remember when they packed out the building where when the guy came that was crippled, couldn't get through, they had to let him down through the roof? If you read the story, verse 17 says it was doctors, law, and Pharisees that packed the place out. And the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's what the scripture says. Not him that was coming through the roof. It was there for him too when he came later on. But the Bible specifically says that the power was present to heal them, meaning them were sick. And yet you read the whole story and none of them got healed because they just sat there and found fault and criticized and were trying to catch Jesus at his word so they could crucify him. 
But thank God you guys, and this is the way I am. Boy, when I'm listening to the Word of God, I don't care who is preaching. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something. Amen. I've, had, I've gone to sit, snuck in services where a young preacher, they know me, and, and you know, out of their own mouth, they'll say, oh, Brother Hutton can preach circles around me. Anyway, when they saw me sitting in the meeting, they said they just got all nervous, and oh, my God, I, I, I don't know what to say now. They got all nervous, and, and I told them, yeah, you're a mouthpiece for God just like I am. I said, I'm no different than the donkey in the Old Covenant. Remember God spoke through a donkey? Y'all remember that, don't you? I said, that's one thing that God, God kept me humble many, many years ago is if people come up and praise me and give me all kinds of accolades and stuff, I just say, well, God can use a donkey. He can use me. I'm not going to get the big head because he spoke through an ass under the old covenant, okay? So, so I'm not going to get the big head just because he speaks through me. He can speak through you. He can speak through me. We need each other, but we can learn from each other. No matter who's teaching the word, the word is the part, the hose puts the water through, but the hose doesn't get the glory. <laughs> you get the water because the hose did its job, right? Yeah. Matthew 8, have you found that? Matthew 8, 16. When, how, much, how long do you guys usually go? Because we've gone 50, 55 minutes, well, 50 minutes. We've gone 50 minutes already. Do you want me to quit? We always go till we're done. Now, pastor said that, but I didn't hear you guys say that. <laughs> yeah, pastor and I are like that. No hurry. Take your time. And some, some other people are going, well, you don't know what, you know, my grandmother or my mother or whatever. <laughs> anyway, okay, well, I'll, I, I'll say it this way. I'm fixing to close. <laughs> now, if you've ever heard the late Kenneth E. Hagin give the definition of that, he gave this definition, what fixing means. He said, fixing means I'm getting ready to commence, to start, to stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, the commencing and the fixing and the getting ready takes a while. <laughs> so I'm fixing to close. I didn't say I'm closing. <laughs> Matthew 8, 16. When the evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word and healed how many that were sick? All that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Wow, this is saying the same thing that we've been reading over and over and over. Jesus bore our sicknesses. When did he do that? Well, according to Isaiah 53, he did it when he was on the cross. According to Galatians 3.13, he did it when he was on the cross. According to 1 Peter 2.24, he did it when he was on the cross. So this said Jesus bore our sicknesses. And this is one of the verses my grandmother was quoting when she said, well, if Jesus bore my sickness, and I'll use both of us bearing it, Exactly, Grandma, you got it. That's why she got healed, never had cancer again 20 years later before she went to heaven. So Jesus bore our sickness. I love this verse because more revelation came to me with this verse. Something I'd never heard anybody say, but the Lord, I was, I was actually in my study one time. I was not studying on healing, but I heard the word of the Lord came and said, turn over to Matthew 8, 17. So I turned from where I was at. Somewhere else in the New Testament, I, was, I turned back to Matthew 8, 7. He said, read that. I said, okay, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And I heard the Lord ask me, does that say Jesus bore your sickness? I said, well, Lord, it says Jesus bore our, O-U-R, our sickness. And the word our is an all-inclusive term. It includes my sickness. So, yes, this verse does say Jesus bore my sickness. Then the Lord said this to me. 
then if Jesus bore your sickness, then all sickness and disease that ever attacks your body is not your sickness. Jesus bore yours. Oh, that's going to hit home in a minute, and then you may have to start dancing or running. <laughs> Jesus bore your sickness. The Lord went on and told me, he said, that's what gives you the right to resist it when it attacks you because it's not yours. I bore yours. That one is trespassing. It is alien. It is foreign. It does not belong in your body. I bore your sickness. That sickness is not yours. Now you resist it. Submit to my word. Resist the devil and he'll have to flee. Wow. That was a revelation that came to me many, many decades ago and it just has just done wonders for me. Just, okay, Jesus, you bore my sickness. So even when that cancer attacked my body, I, I spoke to it. I said, cancer, you are not my cancer. And that means you can't stay on my body because Jesus bore my sickness and I am healed. And by his stripe, blow, bruise, I am healed. And you can't change what I am. I'd actually talk to the cancer. I'd talk to the tumor. In fact, let's go ahead, if we could put that uh, picture of the tumor up for them to see real quick. I want y'all to see this. It's pretty gross, isn't it? So there it is. Jesus bore that for me. So I didn't have to. Now that started in June of last year, June of 21. It started as just a little growth, little small growth. And then it continued to grow, continued to grow about half to that size. It continued to get bigger and bigger, more painful. I couldn't sleep on that side of my face because it was too painful. And I, I cursed it. I did like I always did. I quoted the scripture and it continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then uh, a few weeks before this picture was taken, uh, I, said, I said to myself, you know, the devil really wants to take me out, but I'm not going to let him. I'm not afraid of this. I refuse to allow this. The Lord spoke to me actually weeks before that. The Lord spoke to me and said, this is cancer. He said, but cancer starts with the letter C. And he says, so does cold, and they're both the same to me. I said, yeah, there's nothing too hard. What, you show me something that's hard for God. See, we make it hard. Society, humans make it hard. There is a way that seems right to man, but the ends in the ways of death. Um, so I said, oh, okay, so... Cold, cancer, they're all easy for you, Lord. No problem with you at all. And he said, don't, don't yield to fear. Fear will try and shut your faith off. So I refuse to fear. Now, let me tell you something. When that tumor continued to grow, especially when it got to that size, I faced, I faced fear. I didn't allow it. Listen to my words carefully. I faced fear like I'd never faced in my life. I mean bombardments of thoughts. You understand fear can't come without thoughts. It, it's always through thoughts. That's the devil's battleground is your mind. And so I refuse to let, let him have a playground. And so the thoughts would come. Your wife's not going to have a husband anymore. Your daughter's not going to have a dad anymore. Your, grandma, your granddaughter's not going to have a grandpa anymore. People that hear you preach these last 40 years that it's God's will to heal all, they're going to find out it's not God's will because you died of cancer. Thought after thought after thought of fear, 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 fear. So I had to make sure that I brought every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus, our Messiah, the Word of God. I had to stay full of the Word. That's why I announced those partner cards. I noticed we ran out of them, so you'll have to order more if you want one. 
at our website. But that's why I tell people, get the scripture CDs, get the, get the teachings, get the word of God. Make sure you're here at healing school every Sunday afternoon. Stay full of the word because you will get attacked. It may not be an incurable disease, but it may be something else that you don't need to die from because there were people that died of the flu. In fact, more people die of the flu than died of the coronavirus. And yet people didn't hear that on the media, and so they didn't get afraid of the flu. They just took their NyQuil or whatever they took, and they got healed of it. And, and most people didn't hear about all the people that were dying of the flu. You and I don't have to be afraid of anything. So even though fear came at me, you can go ahead and turn that off. I hate looking at that ugly thing. <laughs> In fact, y'all want to hear something? When I, when I took that picture, that was a selfie. When I took that picture, my wife saw me. She said, this is what Liz said. She said, why are you taking a picture of that? I said, honey, I've got to have evidence. I said, when it is dissolved and gone, I want to be able to show people you do not have to be afraid of any sickness or disease. So when the Lord told me it was cancer, uh, I took his word for it. I said, okay, Lord, that's no problem with me. I'm not going to get in fear about it because you already bore it for me. This is not mine. So I will speak to it and I will command it to go just like you said. Now listen carefully. I knew it was serious. I knew the pain that it was causing. In fact, that, that scab that was on top, I had right before that, I had torn the top of the tumor off and it looked like tentacles, like that just tentacles. And it was like they were talking. It was like, metastasize. We're just going to keep spreading until your whole face is covered, you know. That's what it looked like. And um, so I just kept, spoke the word, but I knew it was serious, so I said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to spend a few days fasting, not to try and get anything from God. I've already got my healing. I'm already healed. I already know that. Jesus already did it for me, so I've got to walk this out the way I received him is the way I walk in him. So I've got to do it by grace through faith, not based on my works. And so uh, some, in fact, somebody asked me, a pastor, a pastor, a well-known pastor, a pastor that's had thousands and thousands and thousands at his big meetings and stuff. Anyway, he, uh, he said, so did you go to the doctor? First words out of his mouth when I showed him the, the picture before the healing had manifest. He said, you go to the doctor. I said, I did. He said, what did the doctor say? I said, my doctor said, Larry, you know I bore that for you, right? I said, yes, doc, I do know that. He said, you know that I sent my word and healed you of that, right? I said, yes, doc, I know that. He said, you know I am the Lord who heals thee, right? I said, yes, doc, I do know that. He said, you do know that I told you if you would attend to my words and incline your ear to my sayings and not let them depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart, my words would be life and health and strength and a cure and medicine to all your flesh. You do know that, Larry, right? I said, yes, Dr. Jesus, what's this going to cost me? And doc said, nothing, I already paid for it all. <laughs> he already paid for it all on the cross. I didn't have to do anything except rest in what he's already done so that grace could take the tumor away. So what did I do? I did what Jesus said. What did Mark eleven twenty two 22 say? Jesus said, have faith in God. I'm going to close with this. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. But then he tells you in the next verse, you're not just having it, but you're going to use it. In fact, if you look up the word have in the Greek language, it means have and use. You don't have to take my word for it. Just get any concordance out. The word have faith in God means have and use. 
You don't even have to look it up because the next verse tells you how to use it, so it obviously means use it as well. Jesus said, have faith in God, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith, and speak to the mountain. Do what? Speak to the mountain. And if you don't doubt the words that you speak, but you believe in your heart what you said will come to pass, you'll have what you say. Okay, that's what I'll do. I'll speak to the cancer. Now, here's where a lot of Christians miss it. They don't speak to their mountain. They talk to God about their mountain. Oh, God, I have cancer. Oh, God, I have this disease. Oh, God, I have that growth. Oh, God, I have this tumor. Oh, God, I have this this heretic, uh, hereditary thing. Oh God, I have this genetical thing problem. Oh God, oh God. And they talked to God about their problem and Jesus did not say that. He said, talk to the problem about your God. Have faith in God and speak to the mountain. So that's what I did. But I took those about three days of just nothing but water, fasting three days to get my heart sensitive to see if I needed to do anything extra or God tell me to do anything regarding this. And then at the end of the three days, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to curse this thing right now. I, I did what you and I a lot of times will call, we drew a line in the sand. You know what I mean? And so it's just that day. I remember after fasting three days on that fourth day, I just drew a line in the sand. And I said, okay, tumor. In fact, I went to the mirror and talked to it. I said, tumor. And by the way, that picture you just saw was September of last year. So June is when it started, September, and then in October before it started disappearing. I spoke to the tumor and I said, tumor, I'm talking to you. You get off my body. You are not my cancer. You are not my tumor. You cannot stay. I command you to be removed and cast into the sea. And I will not doubt my words. My words shall come to pass. Did I see anything happen? Nope. Did I feel anything happen? Nope. Not for days. It was a week or 10 days later before all of a sudden the thing started shrinking. I was kind of hoping it would just, you know, the day I spoke to it, all of a sudden it would just go bloop, fall off. (laughs) But you know, I didn't care how it left, as long as it left, right? So I spoke to it, and then seven, eight, nine days later, it started shrinking, and then by the end of October, it was completely gone. I, I'd actually travel, when I'd go out traveling, I'd have a Band-Aid over the tumor, just so people couldn't see it, because I didn't want them getting in all fear and everything about it. And one doctor came up to me, bless his darling heart, he came up to me and he said, Larry, what's, what's the deal here? You know, because I had a Band-Aid on. He said, what's the deal here? I said, oh, it's a, it's a growth, nothing, I'm, I'm healed of it. He said, well, okay, but, you know, be careful, you know, because skin cancer, he started telling me all this doctoral stuff, you know, and the devil would have loved to have used him, and he, needs a, and he wonderful, he, he loves Jesus, he's just a little bit immature yet. So anyway, the cancer disappeared, but my point is, is I had faith in Jesus. I had faith in what he did, but I, I'll tell you, Pastor, I learned something through all this because I was bombarded with fear thoughts and if I would not have cast them out cast them out I would have been another statistic like many other people I know people in family other um, minister friends of mine that have died of cancer and things like that I can see where if you just give the devil an inch he'll take a mile and I can see why other preachers and pastors and all have died of cancer because man you, you just you just yield a little bit Oh, well, okay, well, I better do this, and I better do... And, you know, I'm not against... I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't take any medicine. I didn't have any treatments or anything. But I'm not against that. I've sent people to the doctor to keep them alive until I can get the word in them. (laughs) So I'm not against doctors, but I'm telling you, I found a doctor, my doctor, Jesus. He's the only doctor that doesn't practice medicine. (laughs) 
He has perfected the medicine called the Word of God. Attend to it, incline your ear to it, don't let it depart from your eyes, keep it in the midst of your heart, it'll be medicine, life, and a cure to all your flesh. It's not, this is not rocket science. You know, I, I only had one shot at you guys today. I, I've, I taught a series on my daily TV program not long ago. I, I titled it, Dr. Jesus is in the house. It went three and a half months of weekly daily television. <laughs> 14 weeks of daily television. That's, I mean, there's so much you can teach out of the scriptures, and that's why your pastor does this every week. He doesn't just teach you one thing and then say, okay, I might learn something new in a year, so come back. No, no, let's come back every week and you can learn something new. But this was what I felt like the Lord was, wanted me to share with you guys today. It, faith is a rest, and, and it's got to be resting in what Jesus already did for us. So I was never, that, that cancer, I was never trying to get healed. I accepted the truth, not the facts or reality. I accepted the truth. I'm already healed. Well, since I'm already healed, then I can speak to the tumor. I can speak to the cancer. You're not staying. And I talk to it every day. I said, you're not staying. I talk to it. I look in the mirror. You're not staying. You're not staying. I'm, I'm healed. You can't stay because you're not changing me. See, what I am is I am healed. So you can't change me. This is what God made me. He made me healed. So I'm talking to you. You're not going to change what I am. I'll close with this. I keep saying closing, so this is my fourth closing. I'll close with this. The Lord told me one time. I was driving, praying in the Spirit and driving, and the Lord spoke this to me. He said, if you believe what I said you already are, I will change what is. I'm going to say it again. See if you can get this. He said, if, I, if you will believe what I said you already are, like you already are righteous, then maybe when sin tempts you and you are having a problem whether you yield to that sin or not, if you believe what you are, I am righteous, he said, I'll change what is. In other words, he'll cause his righteousness to be so strong in your life that that sin can't overtake you. Same way with healing, okay? He says by his stripe, you are healed. Not going to be, you are all right, so if you'll believe what I said you already are, I am healed. He said, I'll change what is, which is the sickness or disease attacking your body. If you'll believe what I said you already are, I'll change what is. Isn't that good? Wow. Let's lift our hands up and just thank God. <laughs> God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Oh, you're so good, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for laying on Jesus our sins and laying when he was on the cross, you laid our sickness and diseases on him. And by that act of love, by that bruise, by that wound, it pleased you, Lord, to bruise him. And, and, and you laid on him the iniquity and the sickness of us all. We thank you for that, Lord, that we are the healed. Let's all just say this together. Sometimes, sometimes I lay hands on people. I'm always uh, being led by the Spirit. Um, sometimes I don't lay hands on people. Uh, I just feel like right now we're supposed to declare some stuff. So stand to your feet, and we're going to declare some stuff. You don't even need any hands laid on you. You don't need to be prayed for. You just take a hold of what belongs to you now. And uh, let's just, let's, you take hold of it. Remember what we found out now? Okay, Lord, I can see why you had me preach what I did this morning. Your tongue will hand you life. Your tongue will hand you health. 
Your tongue will hand you wholeness, won't it? Did we believe what we heard this morning? Yes, we did. Well, if it'll hand us, we're going to hand it to us right now. Amen. The best time to act on the word is when? Now, because why? The thief comes immediately to steal the word, so we might as well act on it now and get those roots down in so we can't. Right? So I want you to close your eyes. Focus your attention on the words you're about to say out of your mouth, and when you speak them, you're not speaking them just because you're repeating me. You're speaking them because you believe it to be the word of truth that changes the reality and changes facts. So say this, Father God, thank you so much that you loved me and you sent Jesus because of your love for me.